yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hi, welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and another armed occupation is not a free Ryloth. How long before I'm fighting you, Master Jedi? And I'm Jamie, and I hate you and everything you stand for, but when I murdered, I murdered out of love. I had three quotes, and that was one of them. That that quote makes the whole book. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a quote from Lord uh, Lords of the uh, Lords of the Sith character uh is Isval, she's uh cham's uh, lieutenant and partial lo- uh like love interest she f- sacrifices herself and vader has the perfect line after she says this i know precisely what you mean oh that's right yeah he says i and know precisely what you cuts, mean then he kills her then yeah then he cuts her head off i think yeah uh, my other one was uh from lords of the sith too and it was sometimes it is possible for a decision to be right and wrong at the same time and it's something Cham says to um, his lieutenant. I think it's something Cham says to Gobi, actually. <laughs> oh, Gobi. All right, so... That, that, so, that just name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Gobi. It does sound like, like a character that would be like on Teletubbies or something. Yeah. <laughs> or he's, he's one of the... Um, oh, what was that? What was that show? Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gobi! Yeah, it's like a Pokemon, right? Gobi, Gobi. Mm-hmm. All right, so obviously we both picked topical quotes because this is a very topical episode. This is a very good, good episode for history of Clone Wars stuff. But before we get into that, let's do our little banter thing. Um, why don't you tell me about your Star Wars activities this week? I really haven't done anything. Usually I'm... Uh... Oh, th- oh, okay. That's not true. I am listening to uh, the the latest uh, Kevin Scott book. I'm about halfway through it. It's uh, starting to get uh, in- well. It's always been interesting, but it's starting to like ramp up the interesting stuff. So, so you're, pro- um, you're progressing through um, the Rising Storm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, uh It's I. I re- I'm really enjoying it and. I'm hoping that there's a bit of a payoff, and I don't have to wait a little bit to find out some stuff. But um, I'll, I'll probably find out within the week or so. Yeah, I, I highly I, recommend it. Yeah, I finished the book. Um, I highly recommend it, especially. Well, I highly recommend it. It is a continuation of the previous plot uh, in a lot of ways from Light of the Jedi. So you should read that one first if you haven't. Um, my recommendation to you is power through because the book the last sort of third of third or quarter of the book is very good and there's a lot of payoff in that book okay okay cool and it, it's definitely setting up something much bigger too so yeah just keep going i know you will but just keep going because there's <laughs> stuff i need to talk to you about other than the book did you do anything else no not really just uh watching watching loki which is also you know that's mcu but still on disney plus very good we haven't started Loki, but my wife and I are going to probably pretty soon. Um, so, but that's where our MCU podcast. What would that? Be, what would that be called? Hulk cast. Hulk cast, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll uh, workshop it. Um, I had sort of a busy Star Wars week. Um, I sort of went a little crazy. I've been very stressed out at work and not sleeping a lot. And the other night, I started watching Rise of Skywalker on my phone on the Disney Plus app, 
And I made it about halfway mm-hmm. through before I fell asleep. It was maybe two in the morning, so it's not because of the movie. It was just because it was late. Um, and I'm fine saying that it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but watching it maybe for the fourth time, fourth or fifth time, there's stuff in there that I just absolutely love. And and I'm very glad that I watched at least the first half again, and I'll probably finish it up later this week. Um, I've also been just reading a lot online, and I started the um, Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older audiobook. I started that today. It's short. I'll get through it. But it was too ambitious for me to start it today because I watched a Bad Batch episode three times and made show notes for us. And <laughs> and once I, I started listening to the book before I watched it for the first time, and so I had no idea what was going to be in the show. And then after I watched the show, I was like, oh, shit, I have to do a ton of reading <laughs> before I record tonight. And so I started doing research on Cham and Hera and a bunch of other things and and um, got a little distracted. But I've had a, actually a pretty big Star Wars week this week, so feeling pretty pretty solid in my fandom right now. Right on. Shall we get started? Uh, today we're going to be discussing um, The Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 11. Um, it's called Devil's Deal. And its original air date was July 9th, uh, 2021. And we'll get to the review in a second. Um, up front, I like to talk about sort of the cast and crew for these shows. So I thought we could do that for a second. Um, we've, we've talked about the writer and director before. We can touch on them really quick. So the director is Stuart Lee, and we've talked about him a lot. He's been a director on more more cartoon episodes of Star Wars than anybody else. Um, he's done every single series, and he did maybe a quarter of all Clone Wars episodes, period, um, involved in some way. So he's royalty, and he's done a bunch of Bad Batch already. And then the then the writer for today we talked about a couple weeks ago um, because uh, she wrote uh, Rampage, Rampage! <laughs> um, which was the of course the episode about the Rancor baby, mm-hmm. and that's Tamara Betcher Wilkinson and and we talked about her a lot in that episode about her previous credits, um, writing for like Terminator and. Uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles and, and stuff like that. Um, but that was mm-hmm. Rampage was her first Star Wars credit. This is her second. I am thoroughly in love with with Tamara Betra uh, Wilkinson's writing. Um, keep going, make as much mm-hmm. make as much Star Wars as you want. Um, so so we've talked about the crew a lot. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about how they approached the cast uh, just for a second. Um, and mostly that, so we're going to get into this very quickly, but the actor who plays Hera, Sindula, in this episode is the same actor who plays her in Rebels. And I just wasn't sure because the voice is so different um, that I had to check, I had to check, and it is the same woman. Yeah. You know, I never noticed it before, but the it, do all um, Twi'leks on Ryloth have a sort of French accent? 
it's yeah it's sort of in between french and eastern european but yeah that's sort of how they've always been stylized even in the very first episode which was uh, rescue on ryloth i think where we first see cham all of his people speak with that accent yeah i never i never noticed it till this episode because mainly it was listening to um listening to uh, hera speak and yeah. it's like that's you know you know it really brought out the difference so the other the other thing I wanted to point out is that Orn Frita, the fat Twilight Twilight senator, Twilight senator from the Clone Wars, is played by Phil Lamar, who um, is most is probably most known in Star Wars for his um, Clone Wars depiction of uh, Kit Fisto. Ah, and he also plays Jar Jar in the cartoon because Ahmed Best did not voice Jar Jar in the cartoon, but he plays Kit Fisto the most in his star wars stuff and phil lamar is hilarious um he's a he's a great comedian so uh, i encourage people to go look him up if you don't know who that is he was the guy that got shot in the face in pulp fiction wasn't he you are correct he played marvin in pulp fiction i had to look that up but you are correct phil lamar go go look him up he's a great comedian he's been in everything um and i love his star wars work um, but that's about everything before we get to the plot summaries or anything that you wanted to add before we get to the plot summary uh, no. No. All right, we should probably review the show then. All right, so the show opens up on Ryloth with a speech being given at the Capitol. Um, this is very reminiscent of the last episode. It basically opens up precisely the same way with sort of the Empire setting up this republic square sort of speech where the senator for the planet gets out and tells the people that the empire is their friend and the people react in a certain way um they're showing sort of the the crowd level view and crosshairs in the crowd of twi'leks and he radios up that he sees gobi a twi'lek a blue skin twi'lek in the crowd with his crew rampart is here and he's talking to Orn Frita, saying that it seems like the populace is not happy with the Empire's investment in the planet. They've installed some refineries. Ta, who's this big fat Twi'lek you might remember from Clone Wars, reassures Rampart that the people are fine. And then the conversation turns to a female Twi'lek named Alini Sindula. It's quickly revealed that this is Cham Sindula's wife, and both of them agree, both Cham and Alini agree, that... This is sort of their opportunity for peace for Ryloth. Uh, Ta goes out on the balcony to address the crowd and tells them about the Empire's willingness to sort of protect Ryloth, but that also means sort of dearming and letting sort of a clone force occupy the planet. But the crowd does not want to give up their weapons and military, and they start cheering for Cham to talk. This brings. Uh, this makes me think of uh, a couple things. That um, sorry to stop you, but that it seems like the senator. Like, is there a ruler of Ryloth? Because it seems like the senator is the one in kind of like in charge of the the uh, the planet. So we know from the basic structure of the government that there are governors of planets. Like Tarkin was the governor of Iriadu, but there's also senators. But you're right. There doesn't appear to be a governor either on um, Raxus or on Ryloth, at least not one that's willing to speak to the people. Um, so it's very strange. But in both of these situations, they trot the senator out to placate the, the crowd 
and it goes about the same in the two scenarios, except one, the senator is cooperating, and one, the senator was not. Another thing I noticed is that the senator, uh, Senator Chai, he has four Leku. Yeah, there's some variation in the Leku number. Like, Bib Fortuna basically has one. There's a bunch of different variability in how many Leku people have. Does he? I thought he had two. No, he has he's one. Just really, he has, he, I think he's just really fat. No, he's got or one. Or has a, has a big head. Bib Fortuna... He has one, and he sort of wraps it around like a comb-over. No, you know he what? has two. Oh, he has two? All right. I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Orin Frita definitely has four, though. Yeah. Hera looks identical to her her mother. Yeah. We're going to get to Hera in a second, but yeah, they look like twins almost, to the point where I thought when... I was like, why does her mom look different when Hera first shows up? Um, so anyway, Cham goes out and talks to the crowd about how the war is won, and this is everyone's chance to move on and be strong, make Ryloth strong, not just militaristically. He points out that the clone army saved Ryloth, and that means that they should trust the clone army and continue to help rebuild Ryloth with the Empire's help. So Cham is really toting the party line, but I think he sees this as his best opportunity to achieve his goals. In general, he wins the crowd over, but Gobi and his crew do sort of leave while everyone's cheering. I I get the feeling that he's just, he probably knows deep down what's going to happen, but he just, he's trying his best to like, you know, just hope that like, like that he's wrong, that he's, you know, that's not as bad as it, it seems things or he yeah, feels like it he's being optimistic right he's being optimistic to the point of being deluded right he think he wants it to be good so he's hoping beyond hope that it's good mm-hmm. uh, during during this sort of exchange and speech by cham rampart goes up to alini and makes a comment about Hera not being there and then alini makes an excuse for her absence that's sort of it's sort of an intimidation move i, I interpreted this as yeah kind of a little bit of a creeper too. It's weird that your teenage daughter's not here. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Um, so we we cut to another scene where we're at a dune, and there's a young Hera and Chopper, and they're spying on a refinery. Uh, Hera tells Chopper that her uncle Gobi told her to gather intel, but she doesn't quite know what she's doing. And she starts sort of staring off into the sky, imagining flying a ship, right? So she's pretending like she's a pilot. And then some clone troopers come up and arrest her for being in a restricted area. Um, so we go back to the we go back to Sindula's homestead. We saw in an episode of Clone Wars, or in Rebels, sorry. And uh, Cham is sort of running a gun confiscation program out of his driveway. I don't quite... Yeah. So there, there is a uh, there is a detail that I noticed that I was just I loved. Maybe it was the fact that growing up with, you know, the Transformers and GI Joe cartoons, where they just they just didn't care about little details. You know, they would just like not, you know, uh, they would just not, you know, color a character, or a character would have you know be all of a sudden you know have the voice of somebody else. Sure. Or just they they just just didn't care. Is that you can see in the background? There's that crashed X or not the crashed Y wing that they got Chopper from. That's awesome. That's 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 an awesome little piece of piece of history and detail. Uh, I love stuff like that. Um, during this gun confiscation program, we go up to sort of the balcony and Gobi and Alini are talking, 
and Gobi tells her that he's reached out to his contact and he's going to get more weapons. Um, she does not really, Alini does not really talk him out of this. The clones march Hera and Chopper into the compound and hand them over to Cham. Uh, this is where the clone commander Hauser offers to cover it up, but he basically says that this is her get out of jail free card and things are getting a little bit tighter and it's going to be harder to cover things like this up. So everyone needs to be more careful. I just wanted to mention, like, he seems a lot different than the rest of the clones. I mean, like less that, order 66 um, Yeah. And plus he's got gray hair. Yeah, he, it's a good, it's a very good design. He might be an older clone. But I definitely got some loyalty vibes coming off of him. And during your section, mm-hmm. there's going to be like a moment where where he looks like he's going to defy an order, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's a this Hauser is a really cool character, um, and I hope we get to learn more about him. Um, so after Hera is returned, Cham asks what's going on, and Gobi admits that he sent Hera to spy on the refinery. Alini sort of takes Hera and walks away, and. She reveals to Hera that she knew about this mission, too. Cham expresses some reasonable concerns to Gobi about using his teenage daughter for reconnaissance, but Gobi's not being very rational here, not being very reasonable. He just basically says he won't let the clones occupy the planet, and Gobi doesn't trust the Empire. And He really calls Cham out for being, I guess, naive at this point, or, like I said, overly optimistic about the Empire's intentions. Yeah. So we cut to another scene where Rampart and Ornfri Ta and Crosshair are talking. And Rampart is impressed with Champs and Dula. He basically says, you thought he was liability, and he's the one that sort of saved the day. But Ta immediately leans into Cham and basically says that his entire organization needs to be dismantled to protect Ryloth. But he's really talking about himself. Ornfri Ta is yeah. a wonderful character if you want to talk about corruption in Star Wars, because every single time he shows up, it's obvious that he's looking out for himself. He's the epitome of sloth, the deadly sin. You know, he's just fat, out-of-touch guy who's just looking out for uh, numero uno. Drawn is obese. He is a stooge of Palpatine. And if we want to stop, then we'll probably talk about the novel Lords of the Sith later, and he's a completely worthless... Like, everybody hates him in that book. Like, yeah. Peter hates him, <laughs> the Emperor hates him, Cham hates him. Like, he's the type of person with unlimited avarice. And... Yeah, like, yeah, he doesn't want to go back to... He doesn't want to go back to Ryloth, because he's afraid that they're... that they're going to, uh... <laughs> they're going to kill him i think we have some context i think we have some context for that fear now too (laughs) yeah and um did you notice too that uh, when rampart ta and crosshair are talking crosshair is the back like like the back of his head and like right behind his ear is completely like it's totally fucked up i didn't notice what do you mean possibly burns i guess from um from oh, oh from the the episode where he gets hit with the with the engine yeah got it i did not yeah. notice that yeah it's a yeah i didn't i didn't look for it at first and then i was reading some stuff and somebody said something and i went back and looked at it and was like oh yeah he does look it's, it's not like his whole um, face or body but it's a big big mark well, at least they're keeping that continuity. I sort of forgotten about those scars, but um, I'm glad they're carrying that forward. Uh, he must have gotten a lot of Bacta treatments. So back on the in the compound, 
um, in Cham's compound. Um, he asks Hera about her dreams, and she they're sort of having this they're sort of having this conversation about her dreams of flying and his dreams of freedom and drawing these nice parallels between the two. But Hera still has a lot of fight in her, and she trusts Gobi and wants to help her people. Cham just wants everyone to move on, and he doesn't want the fighting to continue forever, but they they don't meet eye-to-eye on this. So next scene, Rampart is giving Cham and Alini a tour of the refinery. Alini points out that the refinery is full of weapons and turrets and soldiers, but Rampart just quickly dismisses her worries and says, previously there wasn't a lot of security on this planet. We're trying to protect our investment and protect Ryloth. But it's... Yeah. From who? Yeah. It's obvious to Alini that the Empire is just exploiting them, and Cham keeps justifying. We're going to switch over to your summary real quick, but in a minute. But real quick, every time I watched this, I, I got a little bit more sympathetic towards Cham's position, because I I wanted to understand like a man who's been fighting for decades for his planet, and he's given an opportunity at peace and how he's being a pragmatist in the moment, but is deluding himself at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, it makes him a really tragic character, especially with what I assume is going to happen to him. Yeah, because the wife is never ever mentioned. She's in a painting. Uh, She's in a painting in Rebels, and that's it. Yeah, so there's, you just have a feeling something's going to happen to her, which is just ominous and you just kind of keep on waiting for the you know the shoe to drop i i can i can sympathize because you know like sometimes you just don't want to fight on something you don't want to fight on something and then you get finally you get to your breaking points and you're like and once you got into that point then you're just like fuck you fuck everybody you know and you're willing to just burn shit down well i think we should probably get to the second half where shit breaks bad um fast (laughs) um and, and how he pulls up at the wrong moment, in my opinion. But uh, do you want to continue with the, the summary? Yeah. Okay. So later that night, Gobi's on a supply run, and he convinces Hera to go with him. Yeah, she originally is, you know, she's going to be good, do as her uh, parents say, but then he kind of bribes her with a flight lesson because, uh, you know, she dreams of flying. You know, she's looking at birds constantly. And this is very much like, hey, I have a puppy in here. You want to you wanna come pet the puppy? It's very, you know, like... He, this is the it's, shittiest. It's very, this is the shittiest thing someone can do to her. Yeah, it's it's really bad that a um, that an adult uh, adult would uh, do this to a to a child, much less an adult who is a trusted trusted friend or confidant to the family. But again, he may not see it as anything other than like maybe he just ha- happens to have an extra cho- chocolate bar and he just gives it to gives it to her and she's like, okay, don't tell your mom or your dad. I mean, because. Who can say they haven't done that with like a, a niece or a nephew or you know just a you know a younger family member? I should I should but, clarify that I don't think he was being malicious or creepy. I think I think he manipulated her into being accomplice in his crime, whether or not he realized he was or not, against her her parents and guardians' explicit wishes. He is not. Oh a, yeah, he's no. not a good person in this moment. No, I I agree. This, but at the same time, I've done. I haven't lured kids to go on gun runs, but you know, <laughs> you know, I have um, my kids. Like, well, like, 
we'll go out and run some errands and I'll get them like some candy or something. I'm just like, this is just between you and me or, you know. Yeah. That's a parent thing. Um, that's a parent thing. I get it. So they, uh, they fly up to the moon uh, and they end up uh, meeting the Bad Bash for the weapons pickup. The Bad Bash land on the moon and they drag crates of weapons out for them to purchase. Hunter says that Sid sent them. Omega is sitting at the doorway of the ship. Hera sees her and walks over to talk to her. Omega and Hera go inside where Omega shows her the controls and, and they discuss flying. So I'm a little confused at this point in the show. Who are these clones? The Bad Batch? Yeah, what, what's their backstory? Have we seen them before? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the jo- like the A-Team, I guess. Yeah, it's sort of like the Star Wars A-Team. The joke, obviously, is is this the Bad Batch are in the show for about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. This is not a Bad Batch episode. This is setting up probably the next episode. Um, because they literally show up on this moon, hand them a box, get back on their ship and fly away. And I was I was yeah. on Star Wars Twitter for a lot today. Like, just reading about people's reactions to the show. And people were saying, like, oh, this is the best Bad Batch episode I've ever seen. Like, the Bad Batch wasn't in it. This isn't a Bad Batch episode. <laughs> anyway, I, but, it's, um, it's a stupid joke, but I, was, I don't, no, no, I don't I, know who these four guys are. Yeah, but, you know, it was, there was a, you know, nice interactions with Omega and Hera. And you learned that Omega, she hasn't been taught how to fly yet because Tech wants her to know everything about the... Um, the shuttle before they do and you know Hera's like well there's more to it than just that there's a feeling and then you know which then Omega you know as a kid later parrots it right back like you know like this is the absolute truth it's a it's a wonderful moment between Hera and Omega I don't I don't want to take that from their episode at all it's a very it's a very heartfelt real moment between two peers uh Hunter warns Gobi and the other Twi'lek that uh collecting the weapons is a surefire way to get uh some attention. Gilby says that they don't have a choice. And uh, Omega and Hera are friends now, and they part their ways. Gilby's ship flies back towards the surface of Ryloth, and they pass into a canyon. Now, they see another ship in the scope. It's an Imperial. They try to chase them, but Crosshair shoots out one of the engines with a rifle, and they crash into the canyon. Excuse me, Crosshair tells the troopers to move in, and the ship is quickly surrounded, and the crew surrenders. Rampart shows up, expresses his dissatisfaction with the situation. Rampart talks to Hera, creeping again. Ta thinks that because Hera's there, that automatically means that this is uh, Cham's operation. Rampart decides to use Hera to shame Cham since they can't go after him directly. This is this is sort of an interesting moment because it shows, once again, that Ta just needs Cham to go away. He, for some reason, thinks that if he can get rid of Cham, Cham won't become like a martyr but like Ta will become like a hero and he'll like win the populace back. But Rampart is very practical and incredibly manipulative. And he's like, well, we can't, we can't go after him because he hasn't done anything. His daughter mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And in that situation, that's like, like hair are the worst possible time to do something stupid. If characters in to do stupid things there wouldn't be a story and we would just be like, Oh, this is, Real fun. This is the plot, right? Okay. They probably they probably <laughs> ran guns forty times. We never saw those episodes because nothing happened. Yeah, it'd be a lot less fun if they just completely surrendered and be like, and or Harris is like, no, I gotta go home. All right, bye. Nothing happens. But all these events have to happen for you know the events of Rebels to show up. And just and I was thinking about this the my, my second watch through, like if Rampart is still around by the time Hera is who she is in the Rebellion. He's got to be kicking himself, like, because she's, 
you know, she's a flag officer by the time Rogue One and the original trilogy kicks off. Yeah, you're right. It's like, I didn't think of that. Like, what if he is a continuity character that makes it to Endor, right? And she, she's like a wing commander. You know, is he telling everybody, like, I I knew her. She was just a little kid. I had her. I could have, could have, would have, should have. Sorry. And they're like, yeah, sure you did, Rampart. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just wild that she is just such an important character that's just, she's just kind of used as, uh, I guess, as bait. Literally, it's just a, literally as bait. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then just thinking about all the people that, uh, all, the, all the wanton destruction that, you know, she uh, she causes due to her uh, piloting skills and where she will be, you know, in the future, you know, with, uh, um, through Rebels, you know, the Battle of Scarif on Endor from what we were told at the end of Rebels and then maybe at the, uh, the, uh, the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, let's not confuse cause and effect, though. Her participation in those battles might be because of the the shit rampart pulls. No, that's what I'm saying. That like, you know, like if she'd have just like, no, Gobi, I'm just gonna stay home and you know watch watch space cartoons, not get involved. Would these events have happened? Would she become you know the freedom fighter, part of the Rebel Alliance, and the leader of Phoenix Cell? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's great. We're seeing something. We're seeing we're seeing the genesis of something for sure. Yeah. Crosshair reports that there are some fighters observing them. Rampart says to let them go so they can report. Now, uh, back at the compound, Sham is told that Hera has been arrested and that Hera has been found guilty of treason. This is a chopper moment of chopper just running in, arms flailing, you know, making all sorts of noise. Cham, Hera's mother, and, and chopper all head out to rescue Gobi and Hera and the crew. Riding into the battle on Blurgs, which I thought was pretty great. The Twi'leks attack a convoy of speeders and, t- and tanks, picking off the riders one at a time. This is great because it really shows that Cham is a is an excellent warrior. It's his warrior. It's his leadership. It's the Blurgs are a callback to the Clone Wars episode on Ryloth, where we first see Blurgs in canon. Of course, we first saw Blurgs in one of the Ewok movies. Blurgs are sort of the the mount of choice for the Twi'leks on Ryloth. Um, I love everything about this scene. Yeah, it's 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 really great. So the Twi'leks take control of the tank and they finish off the speeder bikes. Rampart is worried about the reinforcements when the Twi'leks cut the comms. At this point, all the clones have been captured or are dead. Rampart decides to surrender. Rampart, Ormtrita are now captured by Cham and his men, and they free, uh, they free the prisoners. You know, Ormtrita is like calling Cham a traitor, and Cham's like you know grabs a blaster and he's putting it to him. He's like, no, you're the traitor. I've you know, I, I've seen what you've done. You're not uh, good. You're just you, you're just in it for yourself. You know, as we talked about before. This is this is the and, moment I talked about earlier, though. This is yeah. this is an inflection point in Cham's life because he is 100% in control right now. He could have killed Ta and Rampart and just left. Mm-hmm. And on on my rewatches of this episode. I understand why the hero doesn't do that, doesn't do like the dark side shit and be like, it would be easier if I just cut your head off now. You're too dangerous to take into custody. But if he would have done this, I assume I assume he becomes the hardened person that we meet in Lords of the Sith because of what happens in the next few days. Because he doesn't kill Ta. It's a very, I don't know, I call it cliche, but just, you know, the person who they don't, you know, they didn't act uh, you know, they, they showed mercy. It's Hamlet. Yeah. Then they're just 
you know, they get screwed over because they showed mercy, and now, you know, they're just, for the rest of life, they're just hardened. If Hamlet would have stabbed his uncle the second the ghost of his father told him to, none of Hamlet's, Hamlet's mother would have lived, Ophelia would have lived, his friends would have lived, they wouldn't have been overrun by the, by the Danish army. All the shit happens because he failed to act. This is Cham's moment. He fails here, now. This is his Hamlet moment. Mm-hmm. And you understand. You you understand. He's been sympathetic up until this point. He moving forward, he is not a sympathetic character. He is a, a down he's like a down and out, hard as nails terrorist who's using all every resource at his disposal just to harm his enemy. Yeah. And this is this is his last stand of humanity where he does not pull the trigger and Anyway, I, I'm done talking about it, but like this is a huge moment for his character, and I think this is like mm-hmm. his point of no return. Oh yeah, like how many people have, like even like if if Obi Wan had just you know kicked Anakin into the dirt or into the lava instead of just leaving him there, you know, like exactly. the the good the good guys always you know make the good decisions that you know don't taint their soul but end up causing countless immense suffering and then in the star wars case it's like galaxy wide who knows you know how many people suffered at the hands of uh, darth vader when obi-wan could have just you know like give him a little shove and he could have been burnt to a crisp not saying that the empire would have would have been nice if vader wasn't there but you know obi-wan you know he would have slowed them he down. could have he could have stopped it yeah he would have slowed them down for sure. and, and did so during this, you know, um, Eleni talks, you know, she she talks Cham out of killing Ta. And at this, Rampart acknowledges and he kind of looks up to where we assume Crosshair is and he just kind of gives a nod. Crosshair shoots Ta in the head, which is like, when this first happened, I'm just like, oh, Filoni, you motherfucker. I, <laughs> when this happened, I had a thought that you better fucking not and then I immediately thought of you, and I said, "We're gonna spend forty fucking minutes about this tonight." <laughs> but because yeah, like he's got to be alive to be in Lords of the Sith. It's like how, and it's just like Ugh. so. I'm on mute. All right, I'm laughing very hard right now, but I was on mute. But yeah, I I was I had like an out of body experience where I could see us recording and just talking about how Orn Frita has to be alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a despicable character, but he's got to be alive because he's got to be in this other canon stuff. All right, so Ta is shot, and then they're immediately uh, surrounded by more clones. Elani uh, yells for Chopper to get Hera out of there, and Chopper pretty much he just does a quick e brake maneuver and just speeds out of there. They're like an, they're like in a land speeder or something, and she yells mm-hmm. into like the shadow and says like Get out of here, Chopper, get out of here, and and she just disappears into the shadows. Cham and Elani are with their crew, and they're arrested now for the attempted assassination of Orn Frita. And then Rampart tells the clone commander Hauser to find Hera. So this is, you know, this is where the episode ends and it's very um, you know, it's a it's a cliffhanger and start to wonder, you know, like since they went to the trouble of giving this clone a name, giving him uh, a distinct look, distinct armor, is he just going to be another who just, uh, you know, follows order 60? I guess order 66 to just to that just reprogram them all from that point forward to follow the, the orders of the empire. It depends. So I don't think so, but um, we've seen 
in canon material how some of them regretted what they did under Order 66 and some of them didn't. Um, and so I think it's sort of variable based on the trooper. Since we're talking about um, Hauser to start, I just mm-hmm. I, I do want to point out that while the tank was under attack, Orn Frita says it's Sindula's men. Um, order order your clones to attack, and he mm-hmm. hesitates. Not for long, but he obviously does not want to attack Cham. And yeah, and he there is a moment where they're talking about Hera, and I'm pretty sure he's the one that says she's just a child. Meaning, like, yeah. like, obviously she's mixed up in something here, but we should do something about this rather than execute her. Because she might be, like, I don't know how old she is because I, I meant to look it up, but I didn't. She might be 12 or 13 around this time. Like, mm-hmm. she's a human. I don't know how how uh, Twi'leks age, but she's, like, very young, right? Like, teen, young teenager, young. And so Hauser saying, like, she's just a kid is really an appeal to, like, sympathy. And we don't have to kill her, right? We can explain to her what she did was wrong. She's not obviously not the boss of this operation. Let's kill Gobi, right? Let's take him out back and shoot him, right? That'll teach her a lesson, right? But but he's he's trying to inject this reason into the conversation. It's just not working with these people. Yeah. I was also curious that, you know, like, was it because he didn't, um, do I take orders from him? Or do I take orders from Rampart? But I, th- I think you're right that you know that he is sympathetic. You know he's probably been with, been around the Sindula family for a long time, so he knows he knows them all very very well. I view I view Cham as sort of the Eisenhower of Ryloth, right? So he's like the general in charge of everything. This clone trooper is basically like the commander of an allied force who takes orders from Cham for years during the Clone Wars, and now some senator is like, oh, you gotta shoot on, you gotta shoot at him, and arrest his daughter, and, like, charge her with treason. He's just like, hmm, maybe not? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I um, mean, this is sort of, this is mm-hmm. sort of how I, like, view their relationship, and, and this is why I think he's such a powerful character here, because he absolutely hesitates. And it might be because, like you said, he's just not used to taking orders from a senator. He wants Rampart to give the order, but he does follow that order. It's just that he has he puts that pause in there. Oh, so it's definitely you know a cliffhanger, and you know looking forward to it. Uh, and concluding, you know, uh, next week or the week after. So let's let's talk about let's talk about the next episode titles. We have two more titles that we know about. Um, we have sorry, three more titles that we know about. We have Rescue on Ryloth, which is the next episode. And then we have Infested, and then we have War Mantle. So I think it's probably safe to say that the next episode is going to be about rescuing Cham, maybe Cham's wife, um, Alini, and Hera, and getting them away. It's, it's tough because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think that's probably where I'm at mentally. That's where I would guess that they're going to go with this. But I assume that this is basically a two-part. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. That somehow you know they will be they'll be they'll be the ones to save at least Hera and Cham and Chopper. Yeah. So let's so so the Bad Batch didn't make weren't part of the plot of this episode in any significant way. Their arrival does establish that Omega and Hera sort of like bonded, right? And so mm-hmm. so maybe she can use Gobi, who's not been arrested, or has he? 
was he, he was rearrested at the end of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so now Herrick might be able to contact Gobi, use Gobi's network to contact the Bad Batch to get them out of this. Well, what I think will happen was that um, when the Bad Batch were delivering the weapons, Gobi said, you know, like contact me, you know, with when Sid gets more weapons to sell. So they will contact Gobi. So and either Hera or Chopper or somebody will answer and say like you've got to come help these people and that's that's how they're gonna you know know to come. That's I mean that's that's my thinking. But I'm also hoping that that's, that is a great way to get out of making Hera do the lifting to make that contact. And I sort of now hope that's what happens. I'm hoping that uh, Hauser lets her go. You know, doesn't try very hard. Because I still want to see, so far that we've seen, the, like ever since Order 66 happened, all, pretty much all the clones turned into dicks. From the Clone Wars, we know that they're not all the same person. Right. Even though they're clones of each other, they all have personalities and stuff, but their personality isn't to be a dick. So will we get to see them start to break free from you know, kind of their, their semi-enslavement? Yeah, you know, some of them obviously do stay, but you know, some of them skedaddle and want just a life of, the, you know, a life of their own. I'm thinking, you know, like, will the stormtroopers first be introduced in, like, the War Mantle episode? You know, will the will the War Mantle episode be the one where, like, okay, you guys are being replaced? You know, here's the first, you know, versions of the stormtroopers, and or and you know, like, we're gonna start facing out the clones because they've been shown to be untrustworthy. Hauser betrays Rampart to let Hera and Sham escape, and it causes him to accelerate War Mantle. Because he knows that the tr- clones are too tied to the past, and that they can't deploy this army that isn't 100% loyal to the Empire to mm-hmm. um, occupy everything. Oof! I wonder if that would include uh, getting rid of uh, Crosshair. That's that's the big question, right? Because he's the one that's been brainwashed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I think I think this probably paints them a road out to the Stormtrooper program, because now they can say... Obviously, he's conflicted. I'm talking about Hauser. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. conflicted about fighting Cham and punishing Hera and all of this stuff. That is well-established. That is not the loyalty that people like Rampart and Bragg and the Emperor are looking for right now. They don't want context or subtlety. They want absolute loyalty. And this is... yeah. I'm on board. This is this is it. Like I want this to happen now. I want Hauser to help them escape, or not not act. It doesn't have to be active. It can be passive, like you said. He can just not do a good job of stopping them. It's like the whole Hux thing, where Hux gets shot in the leg in Rise of Skywalker to allow them to, mm-hmm. to allow um, Finn to escape and Chewbacca to escape. Right? It can be that, but I think this is this is where we have to go. Um, I saw an interesting thing on Twitter from someone that said, basically, Crosshair never misses unless he's shooting at Bad Batch. Do you think this episode gave any depth to Crosshair? Uh, no. I agree. I don't think Crosshair is given a lot of room um, from a narrative point of view right now. I think he's basically an assassin, and that's it. He kills and shoots who and maims who he's told to, and he's not giving a lot of thought to that. But prove me wrong, uh, Bad Batch. Something I noticed that it's never really brought up, but like Twilight women always have something, some sort of like headpiece on. You're talking about their ears? 
um, well, not just their ears, but they always have like something that's like covering up their head uh, and part, you know, you know, part of their leku, like like underpants for their head. Right. Yeah. Like all of them have it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good it's a good call. I, I I sort of noticed it, but I I was more like there's a there's a like gender specific morphological difference between the ears of males and females. That's really obvious in this episode where females have like a cone ear and males have like a human looking ear. But I don't know if that's a feature of their headdress or not. I don't know because like you saw like like um, Eleni Sandula's like she had a one, but then hers had like earrings like attached to it. I mean her. Her little ear cone things weren't pierced, but there was like little dangly things that looked like, you know, earrings, you know, on the headpiece. So it's I'm, yeah, it's, I'm looking at con, I'm looking at art of Twilight women, and they all have cones for ears, whether they're wearing a headpiece or not. I mean, I I, I looked for like um, just like anything I could find, and it was all they all had something on their head. Vast majority of them have that kind of that full piece, but they all at least have you know like something. Like a strap something or like a like a hank like a handkerchip or something. Yeah, yeah. Even like um like um what's her name like Isla Sakura. She has not like a full thing that like covering her leku, but it's still kind of like a old it's like an old timey football helmet without the the top. Right. Yeah, I was looking at a photo so, of her too. Her ears are are cones though, because mm-hmm. her her skin is blue and her ears are cones and blue. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, an interesting it's, it's fashion very... statement. It's an interesting cultural like touch point because even like Numa, like the Twilight youngling, she has from Clone Wars, she has a little hat on, like a little band mm-hmm. that that wraps around in between her leku. Yeah, it's um, it's cool that they. It's just one of the those cool little features about Star Wars that they, that, you know, that they keep something going. That you know, they're like, oh well, Twilight's just Twilight women. They all kind of had these headpieces. Haven't really asked the question. Did you like this episode? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I'll put it this way, and and I I'll caveat this with saying that I understand that this is a two-part episode at least. If this were a Clone Wars episode, it is a nine out of ten for me. Mm-hmm. It is probably one of the best Clone Wars episodes. I could imagine. This is the connective tissue that I'm always asking for. This is teenage Hera and Chopper with a crashed Y-Wing in their front yard and the end of... <laughs> Stuff trashy. <laughs> <laughs> it's up on blocks. It's this- <laughs> her, her cousin's working on it on the weekends. He like he's got a he's got a job at the one hour photo mat. He's he's making it work, right? Um <laughs> This is the connective tissue that I'm always looking for in Star Wars. I love that I saw Chopper today. Yeah, I love too. it. I love that. I love that Dave Filoni did the voice for Chopper again. I love every piece of this episode. This is not a Clone Wars episode. This is an episode of Bad Batch. I timed it. Do you want to know how many seconds the Bad Batch were on screen today? How? Thirty. I'm rounding up. Whoa, that's crazy. This is a Bad Batch episode. They are not in this episode. They are UPS. They are delivering a package, right? And it is it is beyond absurd that this is an episode that of their series. I assume that the next episode that they are playing a central role, sa- saving Hera, Cham, and Alini from Rampart. So I'm 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 taking a step back. 
as a Bad Batch episode, this has nothing to do with the Bad Batch. We learn nothing about the Bad Batch in this episode, except that Omega is studying the technical manuals for the Havoc Marauder, right? But that's something they told us and that didn't show us, right? We don't learn anything about the Bad Batch or their story. They are a supporting character in this episode. So do I love the episode? As a piece of Star Wars, absolutely. As a Clone Wars thing, absolutely. As something that's advancing the plot of Bad Batch, no, it's not a good episode. Yeah, it's it's very it's different. Right? Like, have you ever read a book that all of a sudden just like switches to like perspective? Like all of a sudden it goes to, like third person or first person, and it's just like what? There's nowhere in this book that it does this, and then you know nowhere, uh, you know nowhere it does it since. It's you know like if if they had done this sort of thing, you know further in. You know, it'd be a little less jarring. My, my, my thing is, how is this not a Rebels prequel episode with a very special guest star, Hunter? I'm saying I, I liked this episode. I thought it was great. Um, I'm willing to, you know, accept that there's probably going to be so much Bad Batch in the next episode that is going to more than make up for their lack of being in it. You know, in the uh, in this episode, you know, I think it's maybe this is a three-parter. There's Clone Wars had they they had um, storylines that went five more six than, episodes yeah yeah so it could very you know this could very well be the start of the like the final you know the kind of the final uh, story of the season you know if that's the case then like sure they're not ended for you know the first part that's fine it's just it's all set up for everything that's going to happen so like yeah it was definitely weird that they weren't completely in it at the same time you know what it was kind of refreshing. Granted that the show is called The Bad Batch and they were barely in it, but I still enjoyed it. I thought it was great. So I want to—I just want to clarify real quick, make sure that I'm making my point clear. I think it's a great episode for a series about the Bad Batch. I think it's misplaced, but I'm on board, right? Mm-hmm. I think this—I think this is a minimum a two-part, like a half first first part of a two-part episode, maybe a three-part or a five-part episode. Um, and I would be—I would be down for that, but. I think it's mildly absurd for people to be all over Star Wars social media today talking about how this is their favorite episode of Bad Batch so far when they're not even in it. That's my that's my point. But I don't think we're disagreeing right now. I think we both enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you have uh, if you have a series about the Hulk and the Hulk's not in it in an episode, then is that episode belong to that series? Or if like is the Hulk just like if he's just in like a in the background punching something really hard while all the other characters were talking, right? Is it really an episode of the Hulk? Maybe, maybe not, but as a piece of star Wars, it's fucking perfect. Okay, cool. So why don't we get to our, uh, rating system now for every episode that we review, uh, we rate it based on a star Wars character. So a good episode, you know, would be a Han, Luke, Leia, you know, somebody from the original trilogy. And uh, an episode that was just just really just bad, uh, I would consider it like the um, a fixer. Isn't that his name, Fixer? The kid? The, the guy from, um, he, he was, he's not in the original, uh, he was a, he's one of Luke's quote-unquote friends from Tatooine. He's the one who was like, he was kind of like the... Oh, like kind of like the head of like the like a like a cami. Yeah, yeah. His name. Yeah, he was like the. There's a kid named Fixer. Yeah, that's just like kind of 
useless character doesn't really do anything doesn't really go you know doesn't really go anywhere um so matt what do you give this episode um i'm going to rate this episode on my overall uh overall how i enjoyed it and i'm going to give it uh an anakin whoa i think I know in my did you like it segment, I shit on it a lot, but this is exactly what I wanted from Bad Batch. I wanted connective tissue from going from Republic era to Empire era. I think they're setting up an amazing storyline. They're tying in Lords of the Sith. They're tying in Rebels. We talked a couple episodes ago about whether or not Rescue on Ryloth was going to be plucking Cham or Hera off of Ryloth. We are getting that story right now. Mm-hmm. This is 100% what I wanted from this story, and so I'm going to give it a Clone Wars Anakin for this. Um, this is about as good as it gets for me. Wow, that is that is high praise. Yeah, for for me, it's like oh, I just I, I hate dealing out the big co- you know. The big ones, because like you never know. Then you're gonna you're gonna wish you had. Uh, I held back Luke and Han and Leia, um, which I yeah. characters that I think are more important than Anakin. But but Clone Wars Anakin is an eight out of ten character for me. I'm gonna give this a Wolfie or Lauren because he's just like like you said, is connecting everything. Wolfie Lauren is in like tons of media, uh, and he's you know he's just like everywhere. You know, and there's a lot of stories connected to him. You know, and he's not, you know, like a major character in the original trilogy, but overall, you learn a lot about him. He is in the original trilogy. I don't think he actually speaks. He's just there. He's at the he's at the conference room table in his white tunic, but he's not in the VHS copy. But he's in the widescreen copy because he gets cropped out um, <laughs> in in whatever that not widescreen format is. But I, Wolf Ularen, um, you you may or may not know, is one of my favorite characters as far as a uh, Imperial officer goes. I did not know that, but yeah, he's in like anything that there's Imperials in that he's he's in. He's in Thrawn. He, he pretty sure he was in uh, Tarkin. He's in Tarkin, and I think he was in. Oh, he uh, he was in uh, Rebels, and he was in. Um, I think he was in Clone Wars too. Like he's in Clone Wars as for a sure. Younger. Yeah. So in Clone Wars, he's in one of the earliest episodes of Clone Wars, um, which is the episode where they take the the cloaked ship based on the the Carrion Spike in the Tarkin novel to go down to to run a supply run down to Christophsis. He is the commander of that ship, and he's sort of like mustachioed and sort of graying hair. That's mm-hmm. that character is um, Ularen, and he's the one that identifies Trench, the the um, spider species, which is like a harch, um, by the insignia and the tactics. And Ularen mm-hmm. is in probably a dozen Clone Wars episodes. After that, he is a go-to commander, and he is eventually promoted to the uh, security bureau, the ISB, um, and gets his white tunic. And then he appears in Rebels in, a, in the White Tunic. I love that character. He's mm-hmm. he's a through and through character. He's in the comics. 
um, novels, uh, movies, and animated series, and he's always the same character. Always, you can always draw a straight line through his character and his promotions and and how he deals with things. He is that is a great pick, and I love that character. He's one of the few uh, Imperials who you don't feel is. He's not a power-hungry fascist. He's just a guy who's really good at his job. You know, he's... Um, I don't know, maybe he is, but they just... He's always just a guy who's just really competent. I was going to say, like, like super competent is exactly how I was about to say it. Like, he's one of these guys that you give him a task, and he does it 100%. Like, he completely handles everything that's put in front of him. And that's what makes him so, like, so much fun as a character. Right, Okay. So I think that's it. Uh, we should probably wrap it up. So um, thank you for listening. You know, be sure to uh, you know tell a friend about the podcast. You know, if if you really liked it, and then if uh, if you didn't, tell somebody you hate because uh, fuck them, right? So and uh, next week we'll be back with uh, episode twelve, rescue on Ryloth. Is that right? That's right. Close enough. All right. I guess that's it. I'll play the intro. <laughs> outro. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Thank you.